0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is the lessons of history as well as biblical prophecy. What do these things, these past things, the lessons of the past, have to teach us about what we're dealing with today? I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Today's topic is the lessons of history. Not just those lessons that we read about in history books and those lessons that we look to as we remember our past, but also those lessons that are documented in the Scriptures. Prophecy, both Old and New Testament. Does the past have anything to teach us about the present? And does the past tell us anything about what will likely happen in the future? That's today's question, and these are today's topics. Before I take a break and then launch into these topics, I'd like to do a little housekeeping. I'd like to remind all of you that we're up to around 65, 70,000 listens per month right now, and the way to increase the listenership of The Rebellion is for you to copy and paste links to your favorite episodes and get them out there in your social media. Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Getter, whatever you use, Truth Social, all of the above. Copy and paste some links to your favorite episodes. Get them out there in your social media and and encourage your friends and family members to to listen in, to become members of the rebellion. That's the way this works. That's the way we increase the listenership of what we're doing right now. And I would... I would encourage you to do that. Um, 60,000, 70,000 listens a month is not all that bad, but I'd like to increase it up to over 100,000, hopefully by the end of the calendar year. So let's work together to that effort. Also remember, if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion and support us financially, I welcome that. Uh, We don't do this just for the fun of it. It takes a little bit of work to try to come up with something every day that is meaningful. Meaningful for you, helpful for you, and interesting for you to listen to. So if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, go to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. And remember, if you'd like to buy copies of any of my books, you can do so by going to Dr. Everett Piper.com. That's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. You can find Links to my three books. The first one is Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas, where I poke a stick in the eye of the contemporary folks that claim to be liberals, but they're really not because they don't believe in liberty. I argue that it's the conservative, the thoughtful conservative, who's truly the classical liberal today because you and I believe in liberty. We believe in freedom. We understand that it's important, that it's a highest good. It shouldn't be subordinated to power and politics and, and people. So if you're really interested in being classically liberal, then you basically have to embrace the contemporary conservative position because it is conservatives who are conserving the things that matter. And among the most important things that we conserve are the things of freedom and liberty. So that's the first book. The second book was the national bestseller, Uh, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. That was my challenge of the Snowflake Rebellion. Trigger warnings, microaggressions, all of this nonsense that's going on in our educational system. And then the book that came out a little over a year ago as a sequel to Daycare is Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. And frankly, that's a book that is a response to so much of the garbage that's going on in our daily news. The Fixation on Self. Whether this narcissism is found in Congress or our courts or even it seems that today it's even gotten into country music with this recent story about Maren Morris saying that she won't go to the country music awards because she's afraid for her safety because some of the country music stars have not imbibed the Kool-Aid. They don't buy into the trans lunacy of taking children and mutilating them with a scalpel and trying to turn boys into girls and girls into boys. If a country music star steps forward and says, man, I'm I'm glad that my mom didn't do that to me when I was a child, then that's hateful rhetoric. And Maren Morris says she won't go to the country... <laughs> Music Awards because of this. This this is a childhood rant. It's a pout. It's, it, 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 this is what I'm writing about in Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I mean, my land. Somebody disagrees with you. They disagree with your view on sexual morality, Marin. Grow up. Life isn't supposed to make you feel safe in your opinions all the time. There's a goodness above your safety and your comfort. Disagreement is often healthy, it helps us all mature a bit. That's what adults understand, but children don't. And apparently this perpetual adolescence that is personified in Marin Morris's comments. That's exactly what my book, Grow Up, challenges and confronts. All right, so let's take a break. When I get back, we're going to talk about the lessons of history and a little bit about biblical prophecy. What do these things, what do these old ideas, the ideas of the past, what do they have to teach us about our present and our future? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. I'm going to share with you um, something that I saw on Facebook this week. It was posted as a historically accurate account of what Sheikh Rashid, who's defined or described as the founder of Dubai, once said. Now, I don't know if this is accurate or whether it's just a a parable with a moral, a good truth behind it. So take it either way. Um, If it's historically accurate, great. If it's not, don't discard it because I'm not presenting it to you necessarily as that. There's a moral behind this story, and it's a good one. All right? Here's what was posted. It's titled, Camels Are on the Horizon. The founder of Dubai, Sheikh Rashid, was asked once about the future of his country, and he replied, My grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son rides a Land Rover, and my grandson is going to ride a Land Rover. But my great-grandson is going to have to ride a camel again. And he was asked, Why? Why is that? Why are you saying that? And his reply was this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. And weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it. But you have to raise warriors, not parasites. Close quote. I'm going to read his concluding comment there again. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites, close quote. And then this this post goes on and says this. Add to that the historical reality that all great empires, the Persians, the Trojans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and in later years, the British, all rose and perished within 240 years. They were not conquered by external enemies. They rotted from within. America is now past the 240-year mark, and the rot is starting to be visible, and it's accelerating. We are past the Mercedes and the Land Rover years. The camels are on the horizon. So what's the moral to the story? The moral to the story is that what has happened in the past is probably going to repeat itself in the future. Unless we learn the lessons of history, learn the lessons of the past, we might fend off the inevitable, by correcting course, by not doing the exact same thing that our forefathers have done over and over and over again. That's the moral to the story. You know, I've talked about Edmund Burke before on this show. He was an 18th century Irish statesman. Uh, He had a lot of great stuff to offer us. We need to go back and read Edmund Burke more. But one of the things I want to emphasize right now is his view of history. He, here's a quote. Edmund Burke said this. In history, a great volume is unrolled for our instruction, drawing the materials of future wisdom from the past errors and infirmities of mankind. And then Burke concluded by saying this. History rightly understood and better employed will teach a civilized posterity to abhor the misdeeds of past ages. Close quote, Edmund Burke. So Burke is emphasizing the lessons of history. There's a great volume there, he says, that unrolls for our instruction, gives us material for future wisdom, wisdom that's built on what? Knowledge, understanding of the past errors and the infirmities of mankind. What has happened in our past that we should learn from and not do it again? He says history rightly understood and better employed will teach our posterity, our children, and our grandchildren to abhor the misdeeds, of past ages, and not commit those again. So there's an important uh, truth in this quote from Burke, and that is teach the lessons of history. Don't cover them up. Don't deconstruct history and reconstruct it into a story that you like. Okay, George Santayana comes along. I've quoted him often, and he basically simplifies Burke's quote, his admonition, by saying those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it. That's Santayana. So he's basically saying the same thing as Burke. And then, as I've told you before, Churchill comes along, he paraphrases Santayana. Churchill said this as he was standing before the House of Commons during the onset of World War II. He stands before his government as well as that of the entire civilized world, and Churchill paraphrases Santayana and says those who fail to learn the lessons of history are condemned to repeat them. That's what Churchill says. So you've got... Burke saying history is important. It's, it, it's there for our instruction. The materials of future wisdom are built upon the knowledge of past errors and infirmities of mankind. History, rightly understood, will teach our children and our grandchildren to abhor the misdeeds, the mistakes of the past, past ages. And then again, Santayana, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And Churchill says this, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Now, I've told you before, I had a, a special mentor. And we weren't that close. We disagreed on a lot. He was more liberal than uh, in, in the contemporary sense of the word than I am. Um, but he had some wisdom to offer. He'd been around the block a few times. Dr. David McKenna, you know, I told you he was the president of my alma mater, Spring Arbor University, when he was in his 30s, and then he became president of Seattle Pacific University, and then he became president of Asbury Theological Seminary. Um, I've given you all that. His pedigree was that he was a golden-tongued orator within the, the ivory tower, within the academy. He said, the best predictor of future behavior is always past behavior. So the point of all this... If you want to know the likely outcome of something, always look to the past. Put simply, the lessons of history matter. Okay, so whether it's Churchill, Santayana, whether it's Edmund Burke, or whether it's my contemporary, Dr. David McKenna, the best predictor of future behavior is always past behavior. If you want to know the likely outcome, always look to the past. All right, lessons of history matter. So, when... Has it ever dawned on you that much of today's news is little more than a deja vu moment? Do you feel as if every time you read the paper or listen to a podcast like this or whatever other news source you use, do you somehow feel that you've been here before, deja vu, the government's infatuation with power, our youth's fixation on self, our culture's indulgence in sex, our country's trust in weapons rather than wisdom, uh, our teachers and our schools' distrust of our Constitution, our current presidents' rush to print more money, the racism of BLM and Antifa, uh, the uh, uh, of critical theory, the narcissism, the misogyny, the immorality of LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT, the alphabet soup lunacy. Does it all sound familiar? Do you do you wake up every uh, up every day and feel like you've already read this book that you've heard about this before? Well, maybe you have. Maybe you have read the book before. You know, nearly three thousand years ago, you had two men named Isaiah and Amos, and they penned some words that have stood the test of time. Okay, over and over again, history has proven. That the warnings of these two prophets, the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Amos, these warnings are true. Again, this stuff was written 3,000 years ago. Stuff that basically speaks to our day and our time. So, let's keep in mind the promptings of Burke and Santayana and Churchill and even my old friend Dr. David McKenna. And consider the warnings. Consider the warnings of, let's, let's start with Amos. In, 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 I'm just pulling a a couple a couple fragments from the Book of Amos right here. It was and it was written in the eighth century B.C. Thus says the Lord God: An adversary shall surround the land and bring down your defenses. Your strongholds shall be plundered. Woe to those who are at ease and those who feel secure! I bore the pride. The great house shall be struck down into fragments. Behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people. The eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom. And he, God, will destroy it from the surface of the ground. Now, think about what Amos just said. (laughs) The adversary surrounds the land. Hmm. It will bring down your defenses. Your strongholds shall be plundered. Woe to those who are at ease and feel secure. You feel secure? Does do you feel like our country is uh, somewhat asleep, at ease? Well, nobody can do anything to us. Those right wing conservative alarmists, conspiracy theorists that are worried about our borders, are worried about terrorism, worried about you know people that come from different countries pouring across our southern border through our harbors, unchecked. Uh, People are at ease. They don't think this is a big problem. In fact, those that ring the bell and sound the alarm that we should wake up and recognize that this could be catastrophic to our constitutional republic, well, you guys, you guys are just conservative alarmists. You're the terrorists, not the people that are coming in across our border in violation of our own immigration laws. Then Amos says, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people. Now, that's a reference to what God is saying, a plumb line, something to measure the people, something other than their own opinions, their feelings. A plumb line is a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. The truth, the eyes of the Lord are upon a sinful kingdom, and he will destroy it from the face of the ground. Now, I've heard it said, I think it was John MacArthur once said, that if God doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah and even Israel an apology. In other words, if, as you look to the past, how God reacted to a sinful kingdom when he saw their pride, when he saw that they were taking solace in their strongholds and that they didn't think that they could be plundered and that they felt secure in and of themselves, how did God react to them? Let's listen to Isaiah. "'The children I have reared have rebelled against me. "'They are a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. "'Your princes are rebels and the companions of thieves. "'Everyone loves a bribe and runs for gifts. "'Therefore, I will turn my hand against you and take away your support and supply.'" The people will oppress one another. The youth will be insolent. The look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom, and they don't hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. The Lord raises the adversaries. He will raise a signal for the nations from far away. And behold, quickly, speedily, they'll come. The Cities will lie in waste. The people did not turn to him, so the Lord cut off the head and tail. For those who guide the people have been leading them astray. For everyone is godless, and everyone speaks folly. That's Isaiah, and that's circa 740 BC, not that far removed from Amos. So you have both of these Old Testament prophets warning the people of their time, That their sin, their misbehavior, their arrogance, their narcissism, their fixation on self. Again, all of those things that seem so familiar as if we've read this book before. When we look at the daily news, trust in weapons, distrust in our own constitution, the thing that defines our own country, the fixation on self, like I said, the narcissism, the indulgence in sex, uh, the racism, the misogyny, the immorality printing more money as if that's going to be the solution. You're going to trust in your treasury rather than trust in the truth. Does this sound familiar? The princes are rebels and the companion of thieves. Does Hunter Biden sound familiar to you right now? Everyone loves a bribe and runs for gifts. Congress, the U.S. House of Representatives, and the Senate accepting bribes, being more interested in the gifts that come with the power than they are in the principles that they pledged to defend, <laughs> taking away support and supply. We, we're, we're talking daily now about the supply chains being broken and that we can't even buy ma- basic basic things that, like toilet paper and, and food supplies. We, we can't build buildings any longer because we can't get steel or lumber. Lawnmowers and tractors cost a third again, if not half again as much as they did a handful of months ago, just a few short months ago, because supply chains have been broken down. We're talking about food shortages now, because farmers can't get what's necessary, fertilizer, to even do their farming. Or they can't get fuel, because we're stupid enough to basically make the fuel, diesel fuel, illegal or unavailable to farmers. I mean, the list goes on and on. Cities lying in waste, but people would not return to the Lord. They wouldn't learn the lessons of history. They wouldn't listen to the prophets. So what did the prophets Isaiah and Amos say? The Lord will cut off head and tail. For the people guiding you have been leading you astray. They're all godless. Everyone's godless, and they're speaking folly. They're fools. I've talked before about this. In in the 1940s, C.S. Lewis lamented what he called chronological snobbery. And he defined it as the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate common to our age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is on that account discredited. That's his direct quote, chronological snobbery. So it's the elevation of the modern way of thinking over and above the historical Facts, and you discredit everything that's old just because it's old. Because you've got a new idea that's five seconds old, you just chuck everything that's been around for a couple thousand years because you know so much better. That's chronological snobbery. You ignore history. By definition, it's antiquated. It's an antique. It's of no value. J.I. Packer came along a few years after C.S. Lewis, and he described it all as the spirit of the age, which holds that, quote, only what is recent is decent, unquote, and that all the old ideas should be discounted as bad if no, for no other reason other than they're all old. That's the only reason that they're bad. So here's the lesson for today. Maybe, just maybe this week, as you read the news, news that's laden with stuff that we used to call sin, Maybe you and I would all be wise to consider the old words that have been around for a while. Maybe we'd do well to set aside our chronological snobbery, our historical hubris, if you will, and listen to what history has to teach us. Maybe if the best predictor of the future is the past, maybe we'd all be fools not to attend to the past and learn what it has to tell us about our present and our future. Does this make sense? What I'm I'm trying to say to you is that this old parable of the the sheik, the Dubai sheik, who said, you know, my grandfather rode a camel. I drive a Mercedes. My kids are now driving a Land Rover. But my great-grandkids are going to be riding a camel again, because history repeats itself. We always just circle back and do the same stupid stuff over and over again. Isn't that really what Amos was saying, warning of? That if you don't learn from your past mistakes, if you don't repent, if you don't return to true north, if you don't turn around and stop doing the same stupid thing over and over again... If, if you don't learn the lessons of history, you're doomed to repeat them. If you don't learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat it. Edmund Burke, that the lessons of history have a lot to tell us. A volume is unrolled for our instruction, and that we should draw from it, draw from the wisdom of the past, because it will tell us what likely will ha- happen in, in our future if we don't Grow up, act like adults, and recognize that it's not all about us. That our comfort, our security, our power, our weapons, our money ain't going to solve anything. The only thing that's going to give us freedom is those fences that God himself has defined for us. Isaiah says this. He says, come now, let us reason. Cease to do evil and learn to do good. And if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. So Amos warned us, if you don't stop doing this, if you don't repent, if you don't return to the Lord God, if you don't revive, restore, recover, repent, return, All of these words mean that you're basically going 180 degrees the other direction. You stop going one way, and you turn and go back a different one. Let us reason. Cease to do evil. Stop. Learn to do good. Go the other way. And if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat of the fruit of the land. But if you refuse and you continue to rebel, you will be eaten by the sword. This is the lesson of Isaiah. It's also the lesson of Amos. It's in Jeremiah. It's in many of the prophets. It's even in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, for example. And it's not just the Bible. You've got Edmund Burke. You've got George Santayana. You have Winston Churchill. You have my old mentor, Dr. David McKenna. You have C.S. Lewis and others all saying the exact same thing. Learn the lessons of history or you might end up riding camels and horses again, rather than enjoying the ease, the ease that we take for granted in today's culture and society. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.